the last few weeks we've been talking about, along with the rest of the Willow Park Network, about the real life, the redeemed life, the empowered life, the active life, and the living, uh, listening life. And we are going to continue that this morning and, and stop a little bit on and think about what it means when we talk about living an empowered life. But before I get there this morning, there's a couple of things, a few slides I want to show. Uh, you know, a few months ago, uh, you as a church, uh, as a whole Willow Park network, were praying for our newest little granddaughter. Uh, that's kind of how she started her life in uh, a children's hospital, uh, clinging to life and uh, surrounded by prayers of God's people. And uh, God continues to be gracious to her. God continues to restore uh, her little life and her body. Uh, this summer, she was camping with us, and that's her fast asleep in a little uh, picnic chair. Uh, maybe she's raising her hands to God. I'm not sure, but uh, we continue to give thanks for her. And then I think there's one more. Um, that God is, uh, God is being gracious, uh, and so we continue to see her as an answer to prayer. Uh, she's heading to Vancouver this Wednesday for some, to see the neurologist and to kind of take a look at if things inside her beautiful little head are as they should be. So I always want to say that uh, we thank you for your prayers, those of you who occasionally think of her um, and their family. Uh, we, we covet those prayers. The last uh, couple of weeks, too, within the Creekside Church, uh, most of us know that uh, Kevin and Maggie Wright uh, are going through um, a challenge and a journey that uh, none of us would wish for anybody. Uh, last week I said, well, maybe you don't know who these people are, but that's Kevin and Maggie um, a number of years ago when they were married. And so maybe hopefully when you see their face, you will say, oh, okay, that, I, know, I know those people. They have two little girls, um, Lydia and Lianca, uh, who are here this morning, along with Maggie's sister, Chili. And Chili is providing um, care uh, for the children. Maggie is in Vancouver and has begun chemo uh, for uh, blood cancer. So as a church, we need to cover not only Maggie and Kevin in prayer, but their entire family. Uh, Chile. Um, I know that uh, Carlene uh, Evans, who is uh, working at the back on media, has sent out an email just uh, asking that as a church, one of the things we can do is to help with some meals. And uh, Carlene was saying this morning that uh, she said so much response to that that we kind of need to just say, okay, that's good for now. And we will um, revisit that if we need to. Um, at the end of the service, I also, there's a little box uh, that's going to be there for us to bless this family. Uh, Kevin, if at all possible, um, wants to go down every weekend uh, to spend time with Maggie, if that is feasible. And uh, you and I know that uh, that drive back and forth and food and other things uh, cost a lot of money. And they add up quickly. So at the end of the service, um, I encourage you to give a gift in that box that we'll simply present and say, use this as God directs you to use it. And uh, so keep them. 
in your heart and mind and uh, keep them in your prayer that God would perform a miracle in Maggie's body, uh, that God would choose to heal her uh, for his honor and for his glory and for the sake of their family. So um, I, I think, uh, you know, even some of this fits in with what I want to say this morning when we talk a little bit about what it means to live a life that's empowered by the Spirit of God. When I saw that as being part of the real acronym, and as I thought about that, I, I asked myself, what are we actually talking about when we start talking about an empowered life? That I think at times this conversation has the potential to sound spiritual, and sometimes even to sound very spiritual, and at the same time seem to be a bit divorced from the reality of my life. So if we talk about the power of the Spirit of God in kind of a, like a power way, I sometimes think that those words, people can listen to them and say, hmm, okay, that's kind of not how I seem to experience the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God in my life. So I think it's important about what we mean when we talk about living a life empowered by the Spirit of God. I do believe that's what we're talking about. In the Church of God, when we talk about living a life empowered we are talking about a life in which we believe the indwelling Spirit of God lives in us, guides us, and directs us. But I think it begs the question maybe a little bit, are we talking about some feeling of power? I remember... Um, and not so much anymore, but probably 10, 15 years ago, there was a, a preacher that I quite often liked to listen to on a Sunday afternoon. He was not only a powerful physical presence, he was a powerful speaker. And I realized as I listened to him that what I sort of was waiting for in his sermon were those times when he would wind it up. And you knew it was going to come because every message he preached, two or three times in that message, he would wind it up. And the crowd would kind of feel this, and at the end he would take a handkerchief and wipe the sweat off his brow. And I began to think, even this week as I was thinking about that, I was kind of watching and listening to his messages to observe kind of those moments which seemed like power moments. And I thought about that, and I continue to think about that. Are we talking about a power that enables us to feel or look a certain way? Are we talking about a power that allows us to do amazing things? Or are we talking about a power, about the presence of God in our life that helps us live a certain way. Jesus said, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. Not because you are going to do amazing things that 
people will go wow about, but he said, they will know that you are my disciples by the way you love one another. And so I've asked that question. When we talk about being empowered by the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God, are we talking about a power that is event and experience-driven, or are we talking about a power that is life-giving and life-changing? And so I guess I want us to think about that question this morning, about how you think about the presence of God and how you even listen to the voice of God in your life. I do not question for one minute that Jesus still has the power to do whatever he chooses. That Jesus has authority to do what he wants to do, which is why I believe we still need to pray that God would bless in ways that can only be called miraculous. So I still believe as a church we need to pray that God would visit his people in miraculous ways. And there's no question that Jesus empowered his disciples to do amazing things. Jesus sent them out, and on one occasion, he sent out 70 people. I'm not sure how he chose them. Be kind of curious. I'd like to know who were they, what kind of people were they. He sent them out, and he gave them the power to do things like heal the sick, cast out demons, Things that you and I would say, okay, that's power. But it's very interesting that those who he sent out did not even at that time know who Jesus was. That Jesus to them at that time would have simply been a really good teacher who seemed to teach with authority, unlike their religious leaders. And so in that story, you have people who are not even 100% sure who Jesus is doing incredible things. Coming back to Jesus and saying, whoa, Jesus, even the demons obeyed us. And it's interesting that Jesus said to them, you know what, uh, he didn't say, wow, yeah, you know what, that's amazing, we're going to do more of that. He said, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Rejoice that you are going to be welcomed into eternity with God himself. It's interesting that Jesus took their mind off, I'm going to say, the miraculous things and caused him to think about, okay, what should I rejoice in then? And he said, rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I think we need to read these stories carefully. Um, what those 70 people did, whoever they were, was not on their own accord. It was not in their own strength or in their own power. It was not even because they had enough faith. It was simply because Jesus chose to give them that authority and that power at that time. And I think we need to be careful not to read these stories and assume that they are supposed to be the norm for every one of us as children of God. 
to think that, well, okay, if I was really empowered by the Spirit of God, I would be able to do those kind of things. I do not believe that's what these stories are written for. And so I think we need to sort of guard against this understanding of power as being kind of like event-driven or experience-driven. In the Gospels, when the disciples later on wrote down these words of their experience with Jesus, at that point, Jesus was actually in the process of revealing himself to the disciples, of showing them and causing them to think, who is this man? He was in the process, I believe, of revealing himself to people in general. And he did that partly through amazing signs, amazing wonders, that Jesus has the authority to do that. Jesus has the authority to give that to other people. And it caused people at that time to stop and think, this man, Jesus, is doing things that only God should be able to do. Levi Simpson, who's been teaching on Monday night, talked a bit about that. That the power that Jesus gave to the 70, to his disciples, that other people will have witnessed, were meant to direct their attention to Jesus and ask the question, who is this man? He's doing things that only God should be able to do. There's another place in, and I forget exactly where this is, where Jesus says to the Jewish people, he says, you know what, you people are always asking for a sign. Like you're always asking, show us something like amazing. And it's very interesting, I think, if you look throughout the history, especially the Old Testament, how many times in the history of the people of God, the Israelite people, God gave them miraculous, amazing signs and for how short a period of time that actually sustained them. We need another sign. And so I think we need to be very careful within the church if we kind of assume that power equals kind of amazing supernatural events. It's true, he said to other people, well, okay, there are some who truly just want to clamor for something truly amazing. He said there's also people who want to clamor for reason or proof, kind of give me enough information so that I can hang on to it and say, okay, I believe. And Jesus is simply declaring, I think, in the Gospels that neither signs nor reason will breathe lasting spiritual power into your life. If you want to live an empowered life, you need to embrace faith. Faith that is more than events. Faith that is not dependent on signs and wonders. Faith that is not dependent on how well I understand it, 
but faith simply that God is who he said he is, that Jesus is the son of the living God, sacrificed on our behalf so that we could experience newness of life. And without it, God said, it's pretty much impossible to please me if you're not willing to embrace a daily walk of faith. I think that if we embrace faith, and I want to say that's an easy thing to say, not always an easy thing to live out. That it's almost a prayer that we need to pray as God's people. God, would you increase my faith? Would you increase my faith about those things which I cannot grasp and handle, those things that are invisible, those things that are a mystery? God, would you increase my faith to quite literally hang on to those things? The power of the cross, the power of the resurrection, the presence of the Spirit of God in my life is not about making me feel or look or sound powerful. It's not about doing amazing things. It is about the power to deny myself, pick up my cross, whatever it is that God has given for me to handle, and seek to follow Jesus. And you might say, well, that does not really sound like power. And I would say that you're right, that in the kingdom of God, when we talk about power, we're talking about something that's quite different than what we assume power to be. I think power within the context of this world, and, and I, maybe I can overstate this, but usually power within the context of the world in which we live is wrapped up in ideas of uh, economic clout, Maybe political clout or, or position. Uh, the influence you might have in the world, perhaps fame or notoriety of some sort, that those things in the context of this world, we kind of associate with power. Power in this world is often also wrapped up in self-sufficiency and self reliance. That if you have those things, you should feel like you sort of can be the masters of your own destiny. And so this morning I want to challenge our notion of power within the church, how we talk about it and what it means. And I sometimes wonder, is that even the right word to use? That power within the Christian life and my life, your life, probably would not be recognized by people looking at us as being power. I think like so many other descriptions of life, of the Christian life, Jesus seemed to take what his audience might have thought to be true, turned it on its head, and said, you know what, in the kingdom of God, it looks this way. In the life of a child of God, power looks like this. 
I've created a somewhat simplistic, and I'm going to say I'll acknowledge it's a highly generalized chart. And I can understand that you could argue the validity even of this chart, but I, I want to use it just to sort of contrast power in perhaps the thinking of this world and those things that I believe represent power of a life where truly the Spirit of God not only is present, but is active. There are lots of things on the left-hand side, I thought as I was jotting down words. There's a lot of things on the left-hand side that are not in any way, shape, or form necessarily bad. Uh, in fact, we would see some of them as being you know, very good. Education is probably good. Okay, maybe that's about it. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it feels good to have some wealth. But I think in the kingdom of God, uh, that wealth is not just for you. That in the kingdom of God, that education maybe that has allowed you to be where you are is also meant to help you be a child of God where you are. But there is a difference between the left and the right. I think both of them would sort of say that if you grab hold of these things, you should have power, and likely that power should lead you to freedom. But they're quite different. The Christian faith, I believe, the teachings of Jesus, I believe, would argue that if you want to experience power and freedom in your life, you need to pursue the things on the right-hand side. The left-hand side is enticing. Uh, the left-hand side can easily become all-consuming, whatever aspect sort of you kind of maybe gravitate to. The left-hand side tends to focus on things that you can maybe handle, taste, touch, the things that Jesus would say, you know, they're going to pass away. Now, those things are not going to last. We even know from just watching the world around us that even if you have all those things on the left-hand side, it doesn't necessarily equal freedom. It doesn't necessarily equal fulfillment or peace. So the Bible says those things are fleeting. They're going to pass away. You need to think about things on the right. The power of the right-hand side is that those things are not things that you can taste, handle, or necessarily touch. Those are things, you might say those are attributes of a child of God. Those are values within the kingdom of God that actually nobody can take away from you if you have them. 
They speak to things eternal. They, seek, they speak to things that are actually life-giving. And the challenge of a child of God, I believe, is for us to continually be moving to the right-hand side of this chart. To be at a place where we can say, you know what, that is what, God, I want that to characterize who I am as your child. The left-hand side pretty much exalts self. It kind of says, it, you know, me. And there's something about me that can be overpowering. That kind of, if that's your focus in life, that can be so all-consuming. Jesus actually wants to free us from that. Jesus says there is actually a different way of living. The right-hand side, I think, exalts not only God, exalts not only the message of the cross, but the right-hand side is also focused about others. And it's sort of, I was thinking about that even this morning, that the first two commandments about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The second commandment is very similar to it. Love your neighbor. Living on the right-hand side is anything but easy. I do not want to pretend that I live on the right-hand side, but as I think about life, as I think about how I want to live, as I think about how my family wants to see me, I want them to see me as a person who's certainly more living on the right-hand side than on the left. I think it's a challenge of especially the North American church where we have so much, uh, where it's so easy to get wrapped up in that stuff. I think occasionally that stuff even becomes evident in the church where the church will say, well, we need to get a bit more of this, and then maybe church will be, like, powerful. We, I think we need to be cautious about that. But I know I'm not immune from wanting to focus on self. I thought about this the uh, last little while. I've been thinking about spending some money on a bigger and better RV. Now, if you saw my, the RV that we use, you might say, yeah, okay, fair enough, I understand that. <laughs> you should not make your wife camp in that. But I can easily consider spending thousands of dollars on a recreational vehicle, which, to be honest, I don't really need, and struggle to pull a hundred bucks out of my pocket to help somebody in need. And when I think about that, I think, God, I, I'm still a long way from living on the right-hand side. I think the church, uh, and by that I mean us, or I mean me, we are sometimes criticized because we kind of speak the language of the right. That language of self-denial, of sacrifice, of generosity. But in practice, we often default to the stuff on the left. And I think the true challenge of us as children of God is to say to the spirit who speaks into our life, I need to listen to you when you talk to me about what it means to move this way. 
The power of the Spirit of God in our lives is that voice that each day gives us the power to heed that voice in our life that says, Doug, this is how I called you to live. To deny myself and follow after Jesus. The Spirit of God breathes that kind of life-changing and life-giving power into our lives. It's the Spirit of God that is in the process of transforming us into Jesus. To give us the power to walk in a worthy manner as children of God. So this morning, I I just want us to think carefully about how we talk about power in the life of a Christian or power in a church. I do think we need to guard against power language that only focuses sort of on events or, or powerful experiences, but we need to highlight power language that talks about how we actually live. It seems ironic, but Jesus says that if you want to find your life, to some extent you're going to have to lose it. It seems ironic, but in the kingdom of God, it's the humble, it's not the proud and the self-sufficient, who are going to be exalted. It's interesting that God's strength is actually made perfect in our weakness. That in God's economy, those who are willing to be last will be first. That those who want to reign with Christ must be willing to serve the very least among us. So I think that in order to truly begin to experience the power of the Christian faith, we need to intentionally embrace the right-hand side of this little chart. I know that I'm not going to embrace it on my own. My natural tendency is to drift to the left. But I believe that if I listen to the Spirit of God, who lives within me, If I am willing to listen to that voice and obey it, I believe God will help me move in a direction that honors him. I think this is what is meant by the path of discipleship. That becoming a disciple of Jesus means that that's the route I'm going. That my faith is not an event My salvation is not about a moment in time. It is about life itself and how I live it. And so this morning, I encourage us to think of humility, generosity, self-denial, sacrifice as things that have life-giving power. To become this kind of person, I admit that I need the power that comes from God himself. But I do not want to wear my faith as sort of a spiritual accessory that I slap on once in a while when it seems appropriate. 
I truly want my faith to challenge me to change who I am and how I live so that I truly become someone who identifies more with the kingdom of God than the stuff around me. So I ask, you know, if you want to analyze your day, any day, you might want to ask yourself, when did I deny myself today? Because I listened to the Spirit of God and not simply my own desires. Who did I serve? What did I maybe sacrifice? I believe that in the kingdom of God, those are truly moments of power. So this morning, and I'll end here, I think this kind of a conversation about the power of the Spirit of God in our life is actually one that kind of hits us where we live. That it challenges us to think about this life that God has breathed into me, as the song so beautifully said, how do I choose to live that out? And how willing am I, listen, am I to listen to that voice? Next week, I want to talk a little bit about the power of confession, the power of forgiveness, and even the power of Christian community in our lives. But for this morning, I want to stop here and just uh, encourage us to think about power in the life of a Christian has a very interesting look. And challenge us to look at our life and say, is my life beginning to look like that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks for uh, the truth of your word, which sometimes, Father, so, so clearly points out our weaknesses, Father, and our natural tendency to just kind of look after ourselves. Father, would you free us by the Spirit of God to embrace you, to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ on our behalf. Father, would you empower us to live lives that are worthy of this high calling. God, help us to be generous. Help us to seek ways to serve you and your church and those around us, I pray. Help us listen to that voice that lives within us. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.